You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 71. Well, welcome back, Curd Nerds. I'm Gavin Webber, and this podcast is where you can learn about cheese making at home. Well, on the home cheese front, um, I've been keeping myself busy making some short videos on how to make meals with cheese or cheese dishes, I suppose. Now, I've only made three so far, and you'll see those over at uh, cheeseman.tv. And uh, this one, well, this week, the one I'm releasing is a raclette and tater tot casserole. Something very interesting. Well, I think it is anyway, and it tasted fantastic. So there was no issues whatsoever about the taste. So let's get on with the news. So this week's news is unusual to say the least. I'll read the title. Uh, the title is Cheesemaker Ups the Ante and US Says Yes. So it's an article by food writer John Leithleen, uh, and this is from the Australian newspaper. So I'll read a little bit out. It's quite funny, actually. Uh, it says, Shrimp on the Barbie, step aside. America is about to get a whole new taste of Australian culinary mythology, and it has six legs, tastes like lime, and you've probably never eaten one. Not yet, anyway. South Australian cheese entrepreneur Chris Lloyd is about to take Australian native green weaver ants to the US in the form of her internationally acclaimed, award-winning ant-encrusted goat cheese. Weaver ants, a traditional indigenous foodstuff in far north Australia, may not be the next sheep's back for our nation, but Lloyd and her company, Woodside Cheese Rights, they have proven the catalyst for a whole new business exporting cheeses to the US that showcases Australian Indigenous ingredients. I've dabbled with native ingredients in my cheese making for about 15 years, said Mrs Lloyd, but the anthill has proven the catalyst, if you like, for us getting into the States. Late in 2016, Ms Lloyd took her anthill a $350 a kilo uh, fresh goat cheese encrusted with weaver ants, giving the cheese a distinctive limey rind and unique texture to an international cheese show in San Sebastian, Spain. Not only did the cheese win a gold medal, it garnered huge attention and began a conversation between Ms Lloyd and New York cheese importer slash distributor Stephanie Ciano of World's Best Cheese. In March this year, Woodside sent its first shipment of cheeses using indigenous ingredients such as saltbush, lemon myrtle and bush tomato to the US. Woodside is also found in cheese shops in New York, Michigan, Connecticut and California. So, very interesting um, article. I'll put the link in the show notes where you can see a picture of anthill cheese. It kind of looks like soft goat's cheese in square blocks, and it's got ants squished into it. Um, 
oh, I don't know what it tastes like. Apparently, it tastes pretty good. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, that's very, very novel. So let's get on with some listener questions. And there's quite a few this week. I think I've got five. So the first one is from Shlomo. Hi, Kevin. My name is Shlomo Ford. I live in Israel. I've started making cheeses for a few weeks. I want to thank you for all the nice videos you put on the YouTube or your channel. I would like to get a table of, um, instead of uh, teaspoons and uh, cups, maybe we can have it in uh, milliliters and grams or milligrams. Again, thank you, and I'd like to hear from you. Have a good day. No problem, Shlomo. Um, I appreciate that uh, cups and teaspoons and stuff aren't always um, available in some countries. Uh, However, most good cooking websites, if you search the internet, there will be cup to milliliter equivalents. So just a a quick uh, few. One teaspoon equals five milliliters. One tablespoon equals 15 milliliters. One cup equals 250 milliliters. And one litre equals about one quart. Uh, 3.7 quarts equals a gallon, which equals... No, hang on, I'll get this right. Uh, 3.7 litres equals one US gallon, or close enough. So when I state 10 litre recipes in my cheesemaking videos... That's about two and a half gallons of milk. Anyway, like I said, the conversions are readily available on the internet. Um, what I have started doing since I uh, listened to Shlomo's request in all of my cheesemaking videos for about a month um, and all of the cooking videos, you will see that there are the conversions for milliliters and the, uh, the teaspoons, tablespoons, cups, that sort of thing. Uh, so I hope that helps, uh, Shlomo and everybody else out there. Um, same thing. Don't forget, you can just go and search on the internet for equivalents. I just ask Siri on my phone. It's pretty simple. Anyway, uh, on to the next question. This one's from uh, Francesca. Uh, let me get that one up. Um, hello, Kevin. Uh, I'm Francesca. I'm speaking to you from Belgium. And uh, I've made uh, some camembert, but when I sold them on the surface, finally the re- the result is that too much salt. So can you tell me exactly how much salt I have to use when I sold the surface? Thanks for answering me. Uh, no problems, Francesca. In fact, I think I heard myself in the background there. I think you might have been playing a video. Um, anyway, uh, good question. Salting camembert. Uh, there's a couple of methods. You can soak them in a saturated brine, which is about 18% saturation. You can leave them in there for three hours, and that is adequate salting. You can also, uh, usually I put about half a teaspoon each side and, uh, and rub it in, so surface rubbing of salt, uh, and then allow them to dry out and then start to age them, let the mould happen. So about half a teaspoon each side uh, for camemberts that have been uh, uh, placed in a um, 
in a 10 millimeter uh, camembert hoop, which is four inches across. Oh, anyway, I hope that helps, Francesca. Uh, next question is from Rebecca. Hi, Gavin. This is Rebecca from California. I've got a cheese question. Yesterday, I followed your recipe and made a Monterey Jack cheese, and I put half of the curds in one mold, half of the curds in a second mold because my mold was too small for one cheese. Uh, I made a fresh brine and poured half of the brine in the first cheese and the other half of the brine in the second cheese and brined for 12 hours. I turned them halfway through and noticed that one was a little slimy and the other one was just fine. At the end of 12 hours, I removed them both from the brine and the first cheese stayed fine, but the second one is quite slimy. And I don't know what would be different about the second cheese. They came from the same batch, the same, the same brine. Um, they sat side by side on the counter. There wasn't a temperature difference or a light difference. Why would one be, um, why would it be so different? And what's causing the uh, second cheese to come out of the brine slimy? Okay, fantastic question. Thanks, Rebecca. I think that somehow and somewhere, one of the cheeses has a higher acidity than the other because this would, and this is how I think this, um, the it's probably not equal quantities of curd, even though you press them to be about the same. Uh, one cheese, maybe the larger one, would have been more acidic and uh, it would have stayed firm. However, the smaller one and uh, would have not had the same pH as the brine. And what happens is it tends to have a calcium ion exchange between the cheese and the brine, and that's why the surface of the cheese goes slimy. Now, that's one of the reasons why we add into our brine a tablespoon of vinegar uh, when I make up a two-litre batch or a um, half-gallon batch of brine. Also, I do think that you brined them too long. So if you were using my normal 10-litre recipe or one and a half, sorry, two and a half gallons of milk, then and you cut that in half, so you've got two smaller cheeses, the smaller the cheese, the less brining time you need. So you would have only had to brine them for six hours because you're using half of the recipe, see what I mean? Uh, so you may find that they're going to be very crumbly and very salty um, seeing they were sitting in the brine for 12 hours. Anyway, I hope that helps, that uh, solved the mystery. Um, not sure otherwise, I would say that one is more, is larger than the other one um, by volume or weight. Um, that's why one went slimy and one didn't. Anyway, we'll move on. And uh, the next question is from Vivian. Hi, Gavin. My name is Vivian. I'm from Oregon. I was attempting to make some San Marcelon cheese yesterday, which I've made several batches, and realized that I was out of the penicillin candidium. And I was wanting to find out if there is a substitute for that, or I, if that's the only um, cult, uh, penis or mold culture that I can use. Um, thank you. I decided to make your halloumi cheese instead because that was the only thing I had all the ingredients for. Um, I love watching your videos and learning how to make cheese on your YouTube channel. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Well, thanks, Vivian. Appreciate it. Um, there is a substitute. 
uh, for St. Marcelin anyway, because what you're trying to create is that uh, wrinkly pattern on the top. Uh, what you can do is uh, use geotrichum candidum, which is a similar sort of white mould um, that you can use in cheese making, and it makes a crinkly brain-like sort of uh, structure or pattern on top of the cheese. Uh, so if you had some geotrichum, then you could have used that. Uh, otherwise, stick to um, penicillium candidum. Uh, for your white mould cheeses. Sometimes I actually add a little bit of geo trichum if I want to get a pattern, and it also also helps with skin slip. So um, as St. Marcelin is uh, is served up on the little ceramic pots, uh, it probably could have got away with geo trichum candidum there. Anyway, I hope that helps, and I hope your halloumi turned out very nice as well. All right, um, last question is from Judy. Gavin, I made camembert cheese, and I noticed in the aging process I'm developing just a hint of red mold. Is that unsafe? Do I need to throw it out, or can it be saved? Thank you. Well, thanks for your question, Judy. It basically means that your cheese is too moist um, because uh, moist cheese attract red mold, and the red mold will probably be uh, Brevibacterium linens, which is used on washed mold, che- uh, washed rind cheeses, uh, things like Tilsit and uh, Saint um, Paulin, and oh, what's another good one? Um, oh, uh, Raclette, uh, which is a, a mold ripened, sorry, mold washed cheese. Okay, so. That's the symptom. However, you can allow them to dry out if they're in ripening boxes a little bit and the white bloom will uh, take back over because the Brevibacterial linens, the red mould, actually makes the perfect surface for the white mould to bloom and grow all over. Um, some cheesemakers actually add a little bit of uh, Brevibacterial linens to their white mould cheeses and to create a neutral surface. So it may give you an advantage. Uh, it may not. However, um, I know it was uh, quite a while ago when you sent this one through. Hopefully they turned out okay and you persevered, let them dry out a little bit, and the white mould will grow back. Uh, if not, just keep washing the cheeses with a simple brine solution to encourage that uh, red mould growth and you'll have a lovely little uh, washed rind cheese that may stink, but it will have an amazing flavour. So one failure becomes another masterpiece, so they say. I certainly have recovered from that sort of thing before when camemberts are too moist and they and they get infected with uh, Brevibacterium linens. So I just started washing them. The white mould went away. The pink mould grew and... Bingo boingo, you got yourself a washed rind cheese. Anyway, um, thanks for your question, Judy. So that's the show for a week. It seemed to go quite fast today. I don't know what was going on. Anyway, you can watch all of my video tutorials over at cheeseman.tv. Don't forget that you can also pick up my ebook, Keep Calm and Make Cheese, The Beginner's Guide to Cheese Making at Home, at all good uh ebook stores you can also find a copy of that over at littlegreenworkshops.com.au 
Also, while you're there, don't forget to check out all the cheesemaking kits, supplies and equipment to make your own cheese at home. The website again is littlegreenworkshops.com.au. Don't forget that uh, if you like the show and you really want a shout out, then uh, pop over to iTunes and leave an iTunes review. That would be absolutely fantastic. Anyway, thanks for listening, Curd Nerds, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to music by Kevin McLeod. I played Malt Shop Bop uh, and Call to the Dairy Cows. <laughs> <laughs>